welcome to this week's episode of 17 Minutes of Science. Thank you again for joining us. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Anna Malinkovich, and I am a technical solutions and application scientist with NVivo Biosystems. Joining me this week is Lauren Perna, digital communicator extraordinaire. So Lauren is the owner and principal of Lauren Perna Communications, which offers scientists and technical experts from all fields the know-how to navigate the digital space to achieve the biggest impact for their work. So her prior life, um, she was a valued member of the Mass Bio team and had spent a significant amount of time in the life science space, so is truly in a unique position to discuss with us today the importance of digital communication in the sciences. So without further ado, I'll hand it over to Lauren to give a brief introduction, and then we'll dive into some questions. And of course, with our handy dandy 17 minute timer at the ready. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I, it's, uh, I feel great to be on a show about science, and I'm not even a scientist, so I feel honored. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you said, Anna, I spent about nine years at MassBio, and my little joke is that um, it was so long ago that I found the job on Craigslist. Now, no one's ever even heard of finding a job on Craigslist. <laughs> and um, truthfully, I didn't even know what biotech was when I first joined. And then um, a decade later, here I am, um, a connector and you know, really dug deep into the life science industry. So just proof that you don't have to be a scientist to be in this field. Um, after my nine years at MassBio, I decided to jump out and do my own thing. I kind of took a leap of faith and I have just been freelancing ever since. And, this summer, I made things official and created Lauren Perna Communications. Uh, not too much of a difference, but just wanted some formality and um, centrality. So that, that's me. That's where I am today. Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm going to start my timer. And um, kind of the first question basically harks back to, to your introduction directly. You mentioned having, you know, started it in MassBio in a position you really enjoyed and um, I understand had the opportunity to move up very quickly in the company and then took this kind of, to me, very giant and potentially scary leap to move on and, and move on on your own specifically. Um, can you tell us a little more about that and the decision behind it? Yeah, honestly, um, I, and I loved working there so much, so it was definitely a giant leap of faith. Um, but at the end of the day, I knew that I could really just grow my professional career and provide even more value um, outside of the you know, mass bio world if I could be on my own. Um, I had really you know, kind of hit the ceiling there, to be honest. And after that, um, I felt like it was a great opportunity to just kind of you know, take this leap and try it on my own. And um, it's been pretty great ever since. That's fantastic. That's definitely um, requires some, some guts for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I can't say enough nice things about them and their support um, for this crazy leap of faith. It's been nice to keep in touch and um, still be a part of the life science community in general. Awesome. 
So what kind of has you focus on digital communication specifically? And, and is this primarily with smaller companies or larger companies? And kind of why might they seek you out? Yeah, so I think for, you know, right now I'm more focusing on small to mid-sized companies. And now those are companies that maybe just don't have the bandwidth or the resources to bring on um, a full-time person for marketing communications. Um, a lot of times like with the larger companies, they have a whole team in-house. Um, and, you know, that's by design that's, you know, a lot of proprietary information and know-how. But with the smaller companies, there's a little bit more flexibility to bring someone on as needed. Um, and that way they can really kind of design what they need. They're not kind of locked into one skill set. Um, you know, eventually as I grow the business and I can get more people on my team, Perhaps I can, you know, grow to that level where I'm an agency that's providing services to a larger biotech or pharma. But right now where I'm just a one-man shop, um, I'm doing things like social media maintenance, copywriting, um, writing blog posts and articles. That's really kind of my role is to help tell the story um, on digital platforms. Gotcha. Okay. Um, do you have kind of a, a favorite, I guess, a favorite thing about working with life science companies specifically? I mean, I, I realize that's your background, and but I can't <laughs> imagine that's the, the only kind of clientele that you have. Yeah, I was going to say, um, the cool thing is that I've been able to kind of make this leap of faith and expand a little bit outside of the life science industry. Um, so it's been interesting trying out other industries that I you know, maybe like dabbled in with my old job, but really didn't know too much about like, you know, legal firms and accounting firms and that type of stuff. Um, but I love working with life science because I think, you know, it's a way to feel good. It's, you know, a good message and it doesn't have to be, you know, the very traditional sense of, you know, when people think of mission-driven work, I think a lot of times they think of, nonprofit and you know soup kitchens which are amazing but i think the life science industry is one more way to feel like you're giving back and part of a good mission um, that people don't always think of you know i think they just kind of bucket it as science and that's you know something uh, kind of almost untouchable, but when you're working with life science companies, you're working with people that genuinely want to fix problems in the world. And um, that's what I relate to it so much. Yeah, you bring up a good point and we, we touched on it briefly when we spoke earlier, but this idea of, you know, being part of mission-driven work. So I know this was, um, Kind of, I don't want to say challenging for me, but this is something that I've talked about with with other people before and and can relate. Is kind of sometimes having that feeling that if you're not, um, you know, directly the one doing the pipetting, or if you're not, you know, elbow deep in warm lysate, that somehow you're not um, furthering the mission. But that's entirely untrue. So you know, no matter where you feed into, you know, a particular um, pharma company or academic setting or, or what have you, um, you're definitely very directly furthering kind of that mission of, you know, finding a cure for a, a potential disease or developing a vaccine or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think I totally agree. And that's honestly, that's when I worked at MassBio, I always felt that like so connected, even though we were even 
farther removed than most, you know, people, I never felt like, oh, I don't really get it. I don't feel connected. Um, that's why I just dug so deep into the industry and worked there for so long. Cause I always felt like, cool, I have this little, you know, piece of this, even though I don't know anything about science. So, well, so you can't say you know nothing because you're helping say, yeah. scientists. You know, I'm sure you've absorbed I'm not going to be in the so lab much. or anything like that. <laughs> I can, you know, talk the talk at this point. But, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess in terms of, of, you know, your clients and talking the talk and, and working with scientists and technical experts, um, I, I know they, you, again, you have clients from many different fields, but Science-wise, when clients come to you, kind of what's the biggest challenge that they face generally? Or is there one challenge that seems to be kind of pervasive among, among us scientists as a group when it comes to communicating um, or developing a, a digital presence? Well, I think anybody, no matter what industry, can relate to standing out. It's a very crowded, you know, world that especially with COVID, people are, you know, leaping even further into digital platforms. Um, so I think no matter who you are, what you do, the biggest challenge is standing out, finding your voice, um, you know, making your story memorable. But for scientists, I think one of the biggest challenges is First of all, finding the right audience because you know, for not every one of my clients has the same client target. Some of them, it's investors. Some of them, it is, you know, patients. So it all depends. So I think it's finding out where your audience lives. Um, is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Facebook? Um, so really doing that research to figure out where to find these people, and then just how to turn that you know, scientific, that technical talk into something that people find interesting and relatable and digestible. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, you know, most science papers are hundreds of pages. So how do you turn that into 260 characters? Right. Um, it can be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, taking something that is that is very dense and, and technically heavy into something digestible and, and something that I guess the layperson would would want to talk about and share with their community because it kind of goes back to, to knowledge is power also, right? Yeah. So, um, but to that point, I guess, um, what are some, some key factors maybe that um, you use or that you can recommend to for scientists to communicate effectively? Both, you know, um, I guess among themselves and across fields, but definitely to, to their audience of choice. Yeah, I think one thing that I always try to do with anything, but definitely when I have a life science client, is step back and take a look at the whole picture and the story, because I think a lot of times people just get really stuck in like the nitty gritty, like this is the, you know, work that we're doing, this is, um, you know, the results that we're having. But I think that, you know, if you just take a step back and think about what's the story, how does this apply to our team, our audience, um, the media, how can I make this relatable? You know, before you 
start writing the articles or the tweets, you know, really just step back and think about the bigger story and, you know, how would your audience relate to that? And then just like with, you know, scientists communicating with each other and what platforms. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing that I know from working in life sciences, there's so many networking events and opportunities to collaborate. So I think now the challenge is going to be finding those online and making those work for you. Um, I already have like two planned this week alone, so they're definitely happening, um, but just making sure that you're finding the right people to connect with and using their time wisely and telling your story in a way that the other person's like, oh, cool, let's connect. I know somebody that can help you, or, you know, in this, in the industry, everybody's always switching jobs, so you never know who you could meet that could help you down the line, or vice versa. Hey, you bring up a good point about kind of the, the utility of, of, quick and compelling communication, especially now in this kind of networking space, very, very digitally heavy networking that everyone finds themselves in. So, yeah. No, funny. Um, you have to like really insert yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't just tap someone on the shoulder anymore. It's like, oh, do you want to chat over here? You know, you yeah. got to speak up. You got to be memorable. That's what I always say. Just, just be memorable. <laughs> And, and memorable in a good way. <laughs> I, don't know, I should clarify. Yeah, that's, I, so because um, in my last job, a lot of what I did was networking and creating networking events. People would always ask me, like, oh, what should I do? I don't really like networking. Because networking does not come natural to a lot of scientists. You know, a lot of scientists are, um, you know, not super external people. So I would always just say, you know, like, just, just make it breathe. But be memorable, tell them your story. Um, and you know, just be you, be likable, but um, yeah, de definitely don't be memorable in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, yeah. Um, so kind of, I guess it, in a related vein and something you touched on a little bit, but just the idea of taking um, really technical subjects and turning them into compelling content I think is is something that a lot of scientists, again, especially now in this very, very digital, digital age can definitely benefit from. So I guess, yeah, best practices, if you can share any of that. And, and I don't think I've already asked this question. You just touched on it a little bit, but yeah, how do you condense something that, um, you know, one person is clearly excited about because it might be a, a huge portion of their life's work or, or something like that, but condense it without losing its punch, right? Yeah, yeah, no, and it's interesting that, and that you, you bring up a good point that um, I always try to remember, you know, like this is someone's life work. This is something somebody is so passionate about. So even though, uh, you know, I don't fully understand it or the end user or the reporter or the investor may not care about the nitty gritty details, how can we still incorporate that? So the scientist feels like we have you know, told their story in a way that feels authentic to them, but someone else is going to want to read it. Um, and that's true, not just for scientists, that is true for a lot of my clients. I deal with a lot of people that are in these kind of very technical, highly regulated fields. So I think, um, you know, the first thing is thinking about the audience and who are you, who are you talking to? You know, what, what of this 
you know, huge technical story or article would they care about in trying to almost create like an outline of like, what are the main points? What is the important part? Um, and then thinking about keywords and what type of words could you almost replace them for or what words can you leave out? You know, does it really matter what the long form of the experiment is called or can you leave that out and just you know, talk about what the experiment is doing because that might be much more applicable to, uh, you know, somebody writing an article or, you know, if they're quickly scanning Twitter and looking for things, you know, what are the words that are going to jump out at them and make mm -hmm. them, you know, oh, let me just stop and read this. But if you have, you know, a long string of um, highly scientific words, I always try to find a different way to say that or if it's not relevant to you know anything but the deep scientific text then um it's really okay to leave that out you know that that's the comes next that's what you you know do in the article and if you're sending them the lengthy article or gotcha. you know whatnot yeah it's it's one of those things that um so first of all thank you for that for that explanation because it, oh, it absolutely sure. yeah it's one of those things that you know, hearing you explain it that way, I'm like, well, yeah, obviously, okay, duh. <laughs> but that's totally not like how I could envision myself doing it. Right? Yeah, I think like when you're caught up in the moment, um, you know, you're like, oh, but that's like the name of this yeah. thing and that thing. And it's so important. But, you know, especially if you're writing like social media tidbits, um, you absolutely need to find the quickest way to get that information across. If you are writing more of a long form article, um, and if you are writing a long form article that is for a scientific magazine, by all means, <laughs> go crazy. Um, but if you're writing a blog that's gonna go on your website that is to the general public, you may wanna use those words, but explain, I, I mean, even, in bold font like this is what this means here's like a definition um you know it but again it all depends on your audience if your audience is only scientists then don't listen to anything i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no and that, that's a good take home for sure is, is definitely know your audience um yeah. and kind of to we've got less than a minute left so to to our last point and and in deference to our audience um i guess it's, it's a two-part question um, on the one hand, uh, what would you say or recommend um, to someone that that maybe has a science background and is interested in kind of following your footsteps a little bit in the communications field? And then kind of a flip to that is, you know, if someone really is enjoying kind of diving into science a little bit more, but comes from a communications background and, and, and kind of how to, again, be part of that mission-driven feeling of a yeah, yeah, I know that obviously the latter question I can absolutely relate to and that is like the hill I want to die on here is that like, you don't have to be a scientist to work in life science and we need more people in the industry that are writers and storytellers. Um, so I think, you know, if it's interesting to you, go for it you know, explore it, reach out to me there. And there's so many agencies that specifically work in life science, um, especially here in Boston. And then on the flip side for the scientists, um, you know, I think 
there are a lot of courses and classes that can help you take your scientific writing and turn it into um, more digestible content. So that's something to consider. And also, you know, a lot of times we had people come through um, at MaxBio that kind of teetered different jobs. And so, you know, more small to mid-sized companies, but they were in the lab and they did like the, you know, social media or something. So don't be afraid to do that, you know, um, if, especially if you're in a small company, they probably want your help. So <laughs> you can, you know, don't be afraid to kind of transcend multiple functions. Gotcha. So, I heard the little buzzer go off. I was trying to talk fast. <laughs> no, no. No, that's okay. I, I was trying to catch it before it did, and then I was just like, oh, but I want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that was, that was awesome, um, and, and just a great conversation, so thank you. Um, thank you for taking the time to join us, um, and I do want to mention, so Lauren Perna Communications, um, your website, laurenperna.com, so if anybody... <laughs> Yeah, anybody wants to go check that out. Um, and I, I imagine your contact info is on there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, learn more about science communication, learn more about Lauren, learn more about kind of getting your message across. Exactly. <laughs> so. You know, that at the end of the day, I'm just here to tell someone's story and whether, you know, it's incredibly technical or, you know, telling a person story like me, that's all that matters. I just want to help people raise their visibility online. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And thank I guess, you. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time on 17 Minutes of Science. Bye. Bye.